Welcome to the podcast. We are back talking friendship with Mike D. I'm your host, Mike D. And I, for one, couldn't be more excited about it. The staff are back as well after a few months of R&R with their families and loved ones. And while they enjoyed their time away, it was great to welcome them back in the virtual podcast studio. And they, like me, are ready to bring you an amazing collection of episodes for season two. And before I get into today's guest, episode one of season two, Amy Pretty, the season premiere, I want to remind all of you who have reached out to me with feedback, with reviews, with some criticisms, which I took to heart and I've grown from. There are two ways to interact with this podcast. One, Twitter, at Friends of Mike D, all lowercase, all one word, at Friends of Mike D, email. Email the podcast, talkingfriendship at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingfriendship at gmail.com. All one word, all lowercase. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also rate, rate and review the podcasts. I'd appreciate it, and the staff would appreciate it. So as I mentioned, we are back Season one was a whirlwind. If you have not listened to season one and you're just dipping in here at the start of season two as a new listener, first, welcome. Thank you so much. I think you're going to enjoy what you hear. But if you haven't listened to season one, I'd encourage you to go back into the catalog and give it a listen. Episode zero, the trailer, the overall podcast tells you a bit about my inspiration, my vision with the podcast, and then you can kind of follow along season one. Episodes 1 through 12, 3.5ers, all of that is explained in Season 1. And if you've already listened to it, maybe go back and listen to it again. I think that you will have missed some key things, and I encourage you to go back and listen to it again. But we're here in Season 2, and because we're in Season 2, usually, as those of you who are familiar with the podcast know, what I like to do at the start of a new episode is go back and correct any mistakes from the prior episode. So that prior episode would be the season finale of Episode 1. That's episode, excuse me, season one, episode 12, Brock Steer. So many positive uh, comments on the Brock Steer episode. I think a lot of people have gone out and bought the Meltdown ice press, ice ball maker that Brock sells. You can go out and check that um, in the episode, and that thing's amazing. I'd encourage you to go uh, listen to the episode and hear more about that. But as far as corrections from that episode, none, zero. Perfect way to end season one. And let's see if we can keep that momentum going here at the start of season two. So while we were in the podcast off season, brainstorming, um, talking to listeners, hearing from you, uh, you listeners also kept listening. We're up over 1,700 total downloads of the podcast, which is amazing. The international podcast community has continued to grow. We now have listeners in 18 different countries. We've added Japan, Italy, Austria. India, Switzerland. After the United States, the next two countries with the most listeners are Canada and Germany, believe it or not. And so what can you expect in season two as a listener? What can you expect? Where you're going to hear more guests. You're going to hear more point fivers. One difference this season is that we may have standalone episodes that are kind of hybrids of the traditional single friend episode from season one and the point fivers from season one that are focused on a particular theme or interest of mine and my friends. And, um, you know, I'll keep you updated as we go. So nothing's going to surprise you. You're not going to get caught off guard every week. As I tease the next episode, I will make sure you know what you're getting into. And the plan really will be to keep releasing new content throughout the summer of 2021 and then call it quits for this season right before Labor Day in early September. So I'm recording this in early June of 2021 releasing this in kind of mid-June 2021. And we're going to have weekly content, sometimes more than once a week, every week of this summer, again, all the way up until right before Labor Day of 2021. So some questions from listeners right off the top. Let's address them head on. I am not going to duck from these questions. First question, is there an official sponsor of the podcast yet? The answer to that is no, not yet. Talks are ongoing with several global companies, but nothing is official. Please stay tuned on that front. Will any of the guests from season one make a return appearance here in season two? On this question, I will say that signs point to most deaf, aka 
most definitely. How and when those guests pop into season two will be a surprise. I'm not going to tell you at this point, but there will be some of your favorites from season one, uh, dipping in here to season two, adding to the oeuvre of the Talking Friendship with Mike T podcast. And uh, you're going to get to hear from them, hear updates from them, and have them contribute to some of these episodes in a really fun way. So I'm excited about that. Another big question I've been getting, have you lost any friendships, Mike? Any friendships over not inviting one of your friends onto the podcast in season one. Thankfully, not that I'm aware of. Now, some people may have ended friendships with me, unbeknownst to me, and never said anything. And so when I go to ask them on the podcast, they'll say, hey, Mike, I wasn't a season one guest, and our friendship is over. That will hurt. That'll cut to the core of me. But um, I'll try to mend fences, and we'll see where we can go. But I am not aware, as I record this episode, of any of my friendships ending because someone was not invited onto season one. And again, while the 12 guests I had on during season one are still good friends of mine, I need to stress that they are not necessarily my best 12 friends in the world. You're going to meet some new friends this season who are going to knock your socks off with their humor, with their genuineness, and with their overall quality as people. I'm really lucky they're my friends, and even more lucky to be able to bring our conversations to you here in season two. Last question I want to address today. And it is, how has my life changed since launching the Talking Friendship with Mike T podcast? Well, I'd say universally, it's been a positive experience for me personally. Well, I didn't intend to necessarily turn this into a multi-season project. I had too much fun to cut things off after one season, and hence, we've got season two. Producing and hosting this podcast was a risk I took, and one that has paid off with the most valuable of all currencies, strengthened friendships and laughs. Thank you again for listening, and we're going to have a great time together in Season 2. I absolutely know it. On to what's going on with me, what's going on with Mike D. So as I mentioned, I'm recording this in early June 2021, and the warm weather is here in the state of Michigan, the great state of Michigan. I'm still in Ann Arbor. I have not moved. I've been vaccinated for a few months. It's been great getting together with friends and family. I've gone out and seen some youth soccer. My nephews are, I'd say they're rising soccer prodigies. I'm not going to guarantee that they'll be on the U.S. national soccer team one day, but I think they've got a shot. Uh, Some bad news. I tweaked my knee running a few weeks ago, but I'm on the mend and have been able to resume my amateur tennis career. It's been great to get back out on some of the outside courts in and around Ann Arbor, and I hope to talk about amateur tennis, my love of tennis, all things tennis, a bit more this season. And finally, last but not least, I took my first trip on a plane since COVID in the beginning of May down to Nashville to visit my buddy Kelly Warman, or as a lot of you know him, season one, episode seven's guest, Kelly Warman. And we had a heck of a weekend. I got to hang with him. I got to hang with his family. We got to see him in Nashville. It was so good to see a good friend in person and not just over Zoom or not just over the phone or talk to them over the phone. So that was another I'd say particularly fun, notable development with me taking my first plane trip since pre-COVID. Moving on to today's guest, today's episode. Before I bring on that conversation, today's guest, Amy Pretty, you're going to hear all about her soon. And you're, what you're, one of the things you're going to hear is during our conversation is that absolutely kicking butt career-wise is among many things she excels at. And also in honor of Season one, episode three guest, Megan Mazurik. Season one, episode eight guest, Heidi Segan. I want to count down my top five favorite movies showcasing women who also kick butt career-wise. These are badass women. And hey, remember in season one, if you listen to the trailer, I did say I would swear. That was a swear. I'm not going to apologize for it. I warned you. Five favorite movies showcasing badass women who also kick butt career-wise. First up. Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead from 1991. One of my favorite movies in the early 90s, Christina Applegate plays Sue Ellen Crandall, a.k.a. Swell, her nickname is Swell, which is just an awesome nickname. It's an American coming-of-age comedy directed by Stephen Herrick and also stars Joanna Cassidy, Josh Charles, David Duchovny, believe it or not. The plot focuses on 17-year-old Sue Ellen, again, played by Christina Applegate, who assumes the role as head of the house for her siblings, when the elderly babysitter her mother hired suddenly dies of a heart attack. So obviously kind of a sad way to start a movie with somebody dying, but oh, it just gets so much better from there. Did I have a crush on Christina Applegate in 1991? That's a definite yes. 
but that's not why I've added it to this list. It's on this list because in the movie, Applegate's character Sue Ellen decides she needs to step up and attack her work challenges with gusto. I'm not going to spoil the movie if you haven't seen it, but if you have, you know that when Sue Ellen's mom returns from her extended leave, she is reintroduced to a set of kids led by Sue Ellen who are all poised for brighter futures. Way to go, Sue Ellen. Second movie on the list, Working Girl. So I didn't actually see Working Girl until my mid-30s, well after its premiere in 1988. In the film, which was directed by Mike Nichols, written by Kevin Wade, and stars Harrison Ford, Sigourney Weaver, and of course, Melanie Griffith in the lead role. Uh, its plot follows an ambitious secretary named Tess McGill, again, played by Griffith, from Staten Island, who takes over her new boss's role while the boss is laid up with a broken leg, paid, played by Sigourney Weaver. Tess, who's been going to business school at night, pitches a profitable idea only to have that boss attempt to take credit. Mr. Turco! Ah! Um, Mr. Allagash. Hi. Uh, Mr. Allagash is on the phone. He's real, real anxious to talk to you. You couldn't maybe get him to hold for a minute? Well, you got him in Denitech. You know the one I said go short on? And it's fine, but he don't want to hear it from a secretary. There's so much more to it. That's the basics of the plot. Go stream it if you haven't. Griffith was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actress. Sigourney Weaver and Joan Cusack, who's in the movie, were also nominated for Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actress, and the film was nominated for Best Picture. Like all the movies on this list, I'd say go stream Working Girl if you haven't seen it yet. My only regret about this movie is that I didn't see it earlier, because if I had, I'm guessing I may have been inspired by Griffith's character's guile, cleverness, and drive, and may have used that inspiration to become CEO of a Fortune 100 company myself. At the same time, though, I really love my job. So I don't have too much to complain about. Third, 13 going on 30. 13 going on 30, starring Jennifer Garner as Jenna Rink. Well, the 30-year-old Jenna Rink. 13 going on 30 is a 2004 American fantasy romantic comedy film written by Josh Goldsmith and Kathy Yespa. It's directed by Gary Winnick. Most of you probably knew that. And as I mentioned, stars Jennifer Garner, along with some other notable contributors like Mark Ruffalo and Judy Greer. It follows a 13-year-old girl who dreams of being popular. During her birthday party, she is humiliated by her classmates and wishes she was 30 years old. When she eventually does emerge, she finds herself thud suddenly 30 years old and in 2004, uncertain how she got there. And what does Jennifer Garner's character Jenna Rink do next as a new 30-year-old? Well, she pretty much kicks butt and saves the magazine she works at, well, kind of, and inspires the staff through leading a sweet choreographed dance routine to the song Thriller at a company party. The fourth movie on the list is Nine to Five from 1980. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. In the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five What a way to make a living getting by This movie, directed by Colin Higgins, who also wrote the screenplay with Patricia Resnick, stars Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Dolly Parton as three working women who live out their fantasies of getting even and overthrowing their company's autocratic, sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical, bigot boss, played by Dabney Coleman. I think I saw this movie for the first time when I was pretty young and frankly didn't really like it that much. Probably actually shouldn't have seen it given the adult themes at play, but I do remember thinking that boss was a jerk and I was glad these women stepped up and took him down. One thing the film did teach me is that good bosses should behave the exact opposite of Dabney Coleman and that three badass professional women in the workforce joining forces is never a bad thing. Last but not least, we have Aaron Brockovich, starring Julie Roberts from 2000. I hate lawyers. I just work for them. This movie, directed by Steven Soderbergh and written by Susanna Grant, is a dramatization of the true story of the real-life Aaron Brockovich, who fought against the energy company Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E, regarding its culpability for the Hinkley groundwater contamination incident. The film was a box office success, and it gained tons of positive critical reaction. What I loved about Julia Roberts' performance as Aaron Brockovich was her absolute relentlessness in hunting down the truth to hold PG&E accountable for what they had done. I think you might pick up some of that same relentlessness with today's podcast guest, Amy Pretty. 
So on to that. On to Amy. Yes, I'm talking about that Amy Pretty. Wife of season one, episode one guest, Todd Pretty. She's a lawyer. She's a mother. She's hilarious and a good-hearted, pers- good-hearted person. And when it comes to me, she's a friend. As you'll hear in today's conversation with Amy, while she hails from Iowa, she may as well be from any town USA, given her warmth and wisdom. If you've never met Amy, I think, nay, I know you're going to like getting to know her a bit more. So I couldn't be ex- more excited to welcome her onto the podcast to kick off season two. Here you go. Please enjoy my conversation with Amy Pretty, my friend. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to the Talking Friendship with Mike D podcast. I'm your host, Mike D. It is the start of season two and what a premiere episode we have in store for you. We have none other than Amy Pretty here in the podcast virtual studio. You're going to learn during this conversation that she is much more than the legal wife of a previous seasoned guest. She is an amazing, amazing person. So Amy, it's so good to see you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. I can't believe I'm the premiere episode. No pressure, huh? No pressure at all. I mean, you know, the the, the advertisers, they wanted a heavy hitter here to start <laughs> season two. They didn't think I had the budget. Your agent and I went back and forth for weeks. And fortunately, we worked this out. I got a tough agent. You really, you really do. Your, your husband, Todd, he came on for like a bag of Skittles and like a high five and you, you really drove the price through the roof. But so, so, so before we go any further, I will, will note for the listeners, those of you who don't know, Amy, uh, Todd pretty season one, episode one, this is his wife, Amy. Uh, we're going to talk all about, I'm sure Todd, but we'll talk all about our, our friendship to Amy. So I just wanted to say again, welcome. It's been a while since we've seen each other and it's just, it's great to see you. Great to see you. I, I can't wait till we can see each other in person. It's been way too long. Way too long. We'll talk a bit about that later in the episode, but uh, yeah, it, it has been way, way too long. So one of the first things I love to ask every guest is basically just tell us about yourself, right? I, every time I have someone new on, some of the listeners know them, a lot of the listeners don't, and they they demand that the guest gives gives the background about yourself. So just tell the listeners whatever you're comfortable sharing. Start start at age zero till now, whatever you want to tell. Sure. So my name is Amy Pretty, as Mike said. Uh, I was born in Iowa, and I lived in Iowa until I was 25. I grew up in Dubuque, Iowa, which Mike has been there for our wedding. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Oh, yeah. And I went to college in Des Moines at Drake University. And then I went to law school right after college at the University of Iowa in Iowa City. So I really lived in the state for 25 years. And then I moved to Chicago in 2001 for a job in big law. As I don't know how much you've shared about yourself, but as same as you, I I started off in big law. And, um, and I've lived here ever since I married Todd in 2009 and we got pregnant with our twin girls on our, excuse me, on our honeymoon. And we have, um, and they're 10 years old now. So they were born in 2010 and, uh, we live in the suburbs of Glenview or excuse me, the suburbs of Chicago in Glenview. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we'll talk, we're definitely going to talk about your, your amazing wedding weekend in Dubuque. My first time in the f- fine city of Dubuque, Iowa, Amy's I'm basically sick. Dubuque royalty. That's who you're hearing right here. Comes, comes I, from I am the, family. I am the child of Dubuque ro- royalty, but, and I, I, I pulled a Harry and Megan and I left. So <laughs> <laughs> no longer have the royalty so, title. So Todd, Todd would be Prince Harry in this scenario. He would be. And, um, he, Actually, Todd would be Meghan Markle in this scenario. <laughs> That's true. Todd I have the direct Todd lineage. Be, a lot of people do call Todd the male Meghan Markle. He's known as that at that <laughs> as that in some circles. So, uh, but no, that Amy, uh, as Amy did mention, we 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 do have a lot in common. We both did go to law school. We worked at big law firms. Uh, you know, Amy has worked in in jobs, sort of using her law degree, but not directly as a practicing lawyer. The same as me. So we we've always sort of bonded over that. I think. And uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't even get into my job actually. I, I, I tell work the in listeners town. that they'd love to know. Yeah, 
um, I work in talent management in big law now, which I love because I get to still work where I know. I, the only thing I've ever no, done is big law. I've worked at three law firms and I understand it, you know, better than anything, but I don't want to be a practicing lawyer in big law because it's excruciatingly long hours. And um, so I get to work with a talent, which is really fun because I get to use my personality and um, and counseling skills and training and, and teaching and all those things. So uh, I enjoy that a lot more. Absolutely. And, and, and those of you listeners who aren't lawyers, who might not be familiar, when we say big law, we're talking about the big multi-city, multinational law firms that have offices in cities like Chicago and New York City and San Francisco. And these are um, you know, huge organizations that have a lot of people doing a lot more than just practicing law. And Amy's an, a perfect example of how you can carve out a niche doing something really impactful without having the, uh, I guess I'll use the word burden of billable hours, expectations and things like that, that uh, lawyers do. It's definitely a burden. I'm sure they would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, all you practicing big law lawyers, but that's, we're going to, we, we tell it like it is here on the Talking Friendship with Mike. Dupont. Some people it's great for, and I people watch them it. thrive. And I love that in my job, watching people come in and truly thrive in that environment. It is built for certain people. Um, and, yep. and that's a, a joy of my job. It just was not, I was not built for it. There you go. Same here. Same here, Amy. So uh, we talked a bit about yourself, kind of where you grew up, your, 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 your two 10-year-old daughters who are just amazing girls. And I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about them later, later in the episode. Uh, one question I did want to ask you. So your husband did come on this podcast. He was the first guest. There was a lot of skepticism out there in the, in the podcasting community. About <laughs> what is this concept? Who is this Todd Pretty fellow? Now, he's gotten a lot of very positive feedback have come in um, from listeners all over the world about that episode. It is right now the most highly listened to episode of season one. And a lot of people have said, wow, that Todd pretty, a heck of a guy. I didn't know much about him. I want to get to know him better. You've been married to this guy for many years now. How, how Are you telling has, me I have some competition? Well, I, I, I'm not <laughs> saying that you can infer that, but what I am saying, what I'm wanting to know is, you know, how has, how has it changed now that Todd is this podcasting celebrity being married to him since, since earlier this year? I mean, we can't go anywhere. He's got to wear sunglasses and a hat wherever we go. He's recognized everywhere. As soon as he starts talking, it's like everyone in the room turns and looks. No, um, he, he it was fun because uh, we listened to the podcast. He was the first one. And I think having not had the chance to listen to anybody else on it, he was a little nervous. And I took the girls shopping one day and we played the podcast for them. And man, did they give him a hard time and laughing and laughing at <laughs> hearing their dad on the radio. So <laughs> that's great. So he broke the mold in for the rest of us, though. He did. We There may have been a couple barbs thrown Todd's way about certain verbal tics that were picked up on during the episode. We, yes, don't, he, we don't need to get into that too much. But yes. No, because then it's all anybody will hear if they listen to this one first. So uh, you know, it's an oldie but goodie. It's still available in the catalog, listeners. And if you have not heard it, I encourage you to go back. But back to today's episode. So, um, Amy, you know, we're we're coming on now. Like, geez, I'd say month fifteen of of COVID, which has been just absolutely crazy, right? Fortunately, I know. Uh, speaking for myself, I've been fully vaccinated. A lot of people I know have, and, and life has started to. Inch same. Back, same, right? In life, I feel like for those of us who have, we've felt a little more normal in these last few months, um, certainly since the most I've felt normal since before the, the pandemic. And we're not out of the woods yet, but it feels more normal. And it's it's just an interesting time because I know you and Todd, as Todd talks about, you, you bought a new home in the fall. Um, I, I haven't seen it yet. I'm, I'm so excited to come see it. And just talk a bit about how life's been for you with two very active 10-year-old girls coming out of this pandemic. Sure. I mean, we, it was interesting. We had gotten our house ready to go on the market right before COVID hit. So, you know, the realtors came in and moved all the furniture around to take pictures and had it in a certain way that we would never have had because we wouldn't, it wouldn't be comfortable. And then COVID hit. And so we really didn't want anybody in our house because at that time you didn't realize you could do things with a mask on. Nobody knew kind of how it spread more airborne and not touching things. So we just stopped all visits to our house. And, um, and then when things started getting, you know, more clear, we reignited our search and found a house and we moved at the end of November. Um, we feel really settled now. I mean, one of the reasons we moved is we wanted to have uh, different, we wanted to have neighbors that had kids and that were out and about doing things. And we live on a street that ends at a park and our neighbors now play pickleball in the street. 
and I don't play, but I love seeing them play. <laughs> That's great. And, um, and we on Friday night actually had a Euchre tournament here um, and talk about things getting back to normal. We had 14 other people plus Todd and I in our house, all vaccinated, mm-hmm. maskless playing Euchre. And, you know, we bought this house that's now big enough for something like that. So it was such a fun night and we had so much fun playing cards. And like you said, it felt like things were back to normal and it validated why we went through all of this. Moving in a pandemic is, I I can't recommend it less than I did (laughs) possibly. It's hell, but it it really seemed worth it when we were looking around our house at all these people playing cards and having fun and, and realized this is why we wanted a bigger house. So. Oh, I, I cannot wait to see it. You know, I've obviously seen pictures and talked to Todd and how happy he says that you all are there. So I'm very excited to see your new home this summer. Hopefully at some point. We can't point. wait to have you. We have two guest rooms now, so you can take your pick. I love it. I love it. Pick of the guest room. It doesn't get better than that. So so, so that's been a, a huge thing that's gone on in, in your collective family's lives over the next last, uh, you know, six months, six to eight months. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd imagine that like you said, it's just, it's just good to start to feel to do some more normal stuff. Now, when I asked your husband this question, I already knew the answer. It was, it was pretty obvious and I knew it was myself. I'm not going to be the answer to this question. So which friend of yours have you been friends with the longest? uh, And you define that in whatever way you'd like to define it. I was just going to say, when I read this question, it was, I had to really think about it because friend to me, you know, I could say my sister, because I consider us friends and, you know, we have a relationship outside of being siblings, but I also think about, is it somebody you see and hang out with frequently? Um, You know what that means. And really when it comes down to it, I would say my oldest friend is uh, her name is Jody Kramer. She stood up in my wedding and I met her when I was 13. I don't really have any friends from elementary school still, but I have a few friends still from uh, junior high and I met her the first day of junior high and uh, we've been friends ever since. And we've gone separate paths in our life, but when we've really, when we come together, whether she's coming to Chicago or I come to Dubuque or whatever, it's like coming home again. Um, So I would say she's definitely my oldest friend. I never feel awkward with her. It never feels like time has passed or that her lives have taken different paths. It just feels like, coming home for me when I'm with her. That's great. And then I think you kind of are speaking to my, or anticipating my next question was basically like, what's made your friendship survive all these years? And it just, you, you sort of alluded to it, but basically um, that, you know, she just feels like, like home to you, right? As yeah. A- and I think we meet each other where we are, you know, like she's, we've grown in different directions and have different interests and different lives. But when we get back together, we meet each other where we're at. And, um, and we, she'll come out to my mom's house. You've been to my parents' house. Yes. And Jody was an only child. And so she'll come out to my parents' house and it's chaos with my siblings and the grandkids and stuff. And she loves it. And she stays for hours and fits right in. And I think I just, whenever she leaves, I always think like, I can't imagine a time where she being with her won't feel like again, home, like my own home. That's so. great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I've talked about this in a lot of other podcasts and you know, it's a true friend where you can go big lengths of time without seeing someone in person, but then uh, instantaneously when you are with them or in their presence, uh, it just feels, it feels like this is, this is my friend. So that, that definitely is kind of a true friendship right there. I will say you and Todd have a very unique, lengthy friendship. Um, (laughs) You are you are very much like brothers. Um, I've always thought that and having gotten to know you over the years is it's unique to meet in the church cry room and <laughs> right. still be friends 40 years later. So right. yeah, and as close of friends as you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I will say that we're going to talk a bit about how we, you and I first met each other and it was obviously very early on and yours and Todd's now legendary courtship that people still talk about on the North side of Chicago, but uh, that, one of my favorite things about when we first met was that, um, you know, Todd was my best friend at the time. He's still my best friend now. And, you know, when your best friend starts seeing someone, especially if it starts getting a little more serious, you think about, well, how will this change my dynamic with my friend? Right. And of course you want, what you hope for your friend is that they get, they're happy and they meet somebody that, that they love and loves them and is a good person. Uh, but you also, part of you wants to be able to hang out with that person and really get along with them. And that was, 
clear to me when we first met early on that I'm like, well, now I have a friend, a best friend who's found somebody that I'm going to enjoy having around every time I see that person. Like it was always for me, I, it was always something where, um, knowing you were going to be part of whatever we were doing, going to dinner, going to grab a, a drink, going to the Cubs game. Um, I was always equally excited than if, if you weren't going to be there. So that was, that was a good sign and, and, and sort of knew, all right, well, this is somebody I think I can build a friendship with, uh, in addition to, in addition to Todd. So, uh, but talking about the first time we first, I have a very distinct memory of meeting you the first time, but I want to hear what yours is of meeting me first. Uh, my distinct memory of meeting you for the first time is you were going to a Christmas party and you had a Christmas tie. And well, actually, that might not be the, might not be the first time I met you. The first time <laughs> I met you was during. Um, uh, this is great. Tell me your memory first. OK, uh, all right. Mine. Fair enough. This is this is this is a slight deviation from format listeners. And we're going to do it just because, hey, it's season two. And we we got to roll with things because I think I have a lot of memories coming together all sure. at once. And I don't know if they're if it's the first one or not. So that's why I want to hear yours, because uh, Absolutely. So, so I remember I was, this is to me, it was 2006. I had been in New York city for work and Todd and I had moved into a new apartment, just the two of us. And I actually wasn't there to help him move in. I was in New York for work and Todd managed the whole process. So good of a friend he is. He, I packed up my stuff and he got, he made sure it safely made it to our next apartment. I wasn't even there to help him. You and you and him start, you met, you had started dating. He told me about you. I remember coming back in the fall and you just coming over to the apartment, I think we were watching a Tigers game. And if you remember that year, the Tigers were awesome. They ended up going to the World Series that year. And um, it feels like a long, long time ago, given how crappy they are now. But um, <laughs> but uh, I remember you just coming over to the house. And I'm sure you had really zero interest in watching Detroit Tiger baseball. But I know you wanted to be close to Todd and just meet, you know, meet his roommate and friend and kind of get to know me. And you were just there in the front room. And it was like a, another friend was there. So I remember meeting you watching those, those tiger games and just hanging out, um, at our apartment. And I remember you Halstead. guys. Yeah. That part you was guys going Johnny kicks, Johnny kicks, Johnny oh, yeah. kicks, Johnny kicks. Which player was that on the tigers? That was Todd Jones, the closer. He had this big mustache and this is a reference. Those of you who are Sopranos fans, this is a reference to the show, the Sopranos. There's a character named Vito who goes, I think to like Vermont or New Hampshire. And he, he uh, takes a liking to a local uh, short order cook that he refers to as Johnny Cakes. And we thought yep. the cook looked just like Todd Jones from the Tigers. So every time Todd Jones would come in to close a Tiger game, Todd, myself, and Amy would sit there on our couch and go, Johnny Cakes, Johnny Cakes, Johnny Cakes, Johnny Cakes. We thought it was good luck, and it really was for most of that season. It was. And I, I definitely remember that. I don't know why the Christmas party is something I remember so distinctly, but I feel like you had on a sweater vest and a tie. I think it was one of the first times I met you. You were very quiet the first few times I met you. I would never have imagined that, you know, 15 years down the road, you and I would be able to banter the way we did because you were very quiet the first few times I met you. Um, but I remember you were going to a Christmas party. And I also remember one of many, many stories that involved girls, but you were talking to a girl who I think was in, I think she was in India for work and you sent her an iPod with uh, a bunch of songs on it. Like you made her like a song list on an iPod and sent that to her in India when she was working. Do you remember that? Oh, I, I remember it. I, I, that's amazing memory that you remember. Yeah. It was a girl that I was, uh, I had a, a little crush on at the time I was, I was courting and she was in India volunteering and this is pre Spotify, right? This is where you'd load up music on a physical iPod. And I, she was going to be over there for Christmas. So I loaded up a bunch of Christmas songs on this little iPod mini and mailed it to India and said, Hey, you can't be home for Christmas, but I'm going to try to bring a little Christmas to you. Um, alas, that, that, that torrid cross Atlantic uh, romance was not meant to be, but I, I feel good about the gesture all the same. But I remember that very well. Yeah. I think all of those memories, the tigers, the Christmas party, that story, that all is kind of melding into one to me, but I remember our meetings being in the, that living room or that family room of that, um, condo you guys, uh, excuse me, rented. I remember yeah, that yeah. Well. And that was the last, Todd and I, that was the last time we lived together. I went and bought the condo I moved into 
you and him obviously hit it off and, and got your own place in uh, I think Wicker Park, right? Or um, if I remember that first apartment you rented. Yes. Yes. But we almost didn't make it. Um, you know, he broke up with me in the spring for one day for like four hours. <laughs> That's all he could handle, listeners. To be yeah, he broke up with me. Hours. I left. And then that night he called me. and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> and and he was like, do you want to go get pizza? We went to Pat's Pizza. And I was like, I don't understand. You just broke up with me four hours ago. Um, and and then we weren't broke up. It was the weirdest thing that ever happened. But yeah, we almost didn't make it. That well, one breakup. <laughs> a four-hour breakup, you know, I think that was a that was a, a sign to Todd that he knew he could not make it in this life without without I think any. so. Four hours later, he was like, What am I doing? He was oh, probably like just wandering around his apartment in a bathrobe, lost. Yeah. I think he wanted pizza and didn't have anyone else to go get it with. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, Todd does not like eating pizza alone. So that's probably no, great. no. Oh, that's great. Yeah, but I do remember lots of great times in that apartment. Um, Me too. That first apartment in Chicago. So, um, so why don't we shift forward to your wedding? Mm-hmm. And I was so fortunate to be the best man, Todd's best man at this wedding in Dubuque. I had not been to Dubuque. I, what I remember about that weekend, Amy, I remember I came in on Thursday. And you had arranged uh, with my good friend, John Weinberg, Janssen, another, another groomsman in the wedding, a dear friend of Todd's. Mm-hmm. And you had arranged massages for us, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe that's still the last time I've gotten a massage, which is kind of pathetic, but it was great. Got a nice, relaxing massage. massage. Then we went out to your parents' home, I think, just for a nice sort of dinner and get to know you session. My mom and sister yep. were there. He has a beautiful piece of property. We watched the sunset. It was just a lovely night. Didn't and, you guys go golfing too? Yeah, I think we did go golfing. Absolutely. Yeah, good memory. Yeah. And um, and you know, that weekend was just, you know, it was it was your wedding, but it's one of my favorite weekends. Um and it was awesome. everything was just um, you know, I would say everything went smoothly, although there there was an incident about getting into a casino, correct, Amy, that we maybe want we want to allude to the listeners about. Yes, that's fine. You can tell them. I got turned away. The night of our rehearsal dinner, I actually didn't drink very much. Todd and Todd and probably you as well drank a lot. And they let Todd into the casino and not me. And then the next night I went back over in my wedding gown and played, um, I played blackjack in my wedding dress. I was like, remember me? You wouldn't let me in last night. (laughs) And I had drank a lot more that night. So yeah, there was that one incident, but it was not a big deal. I probably needed to go to put myself to bed anyway. Um, but it became like a legendary story about everybody that was arguing with this poor doorman to let me in. <laughs> he wouldn't um, do it. He would not. Most do of it. whom had were way drunker than I was. So yeah. yes, no, I, that was a, that was a great weekend because Todd and I, and I'm sure other listeners, you know, everyone has kind of a vision for their wedding. And for me, I never really dreamed about a dress or flowers. I just knew I wanted everyone to leave and feel like that was such a good time. I had the best time. And so for me, things like it had to be an open bar, you know, we had to have certain little novelty things that just added a whimsical touch to the day. And I wanted great music and everybody on the dance floor and, and it, everything went exactly how we wanted it to. So. One, th- one thing I remember about it, the, the wedding reception itself is you had a photo booth, right? And, and we did, and it was people to have a photo booth that I remember at least. Yes. Yeah, so listeners listening to this are probably thinking, oh, geez, a photo booth who doesn't have one, but we got married in 2009 and there were no photo booths at things. There was maybe like, I didn't know one person who had done one in Chicago. And there, it was so uncommon that in Dubuque where we got married, they didn't have one. We had to pay somebody to come from Madison, Wisconsin. And there was one company, or maybe it was even Chicago. All I know is we had to pay for them to come and set up. And it was a big deal because nobody had had one at an event before. Um, yeah, that was fun. I remember that's, that's an interesting memory. Yes. Absolutely. It was fun. I think I have, I definitely have multiple photos of different people with me in the photo. Yep. And that was one thing that jumped out at me from your wedding was very unique. I remember your, your, your sister had the long uh, scroll for your wedding speech for your maid. Yes, it was. They used a scroll to make a joke about what my list of criteria was for a husband and (laughs) pulled it out and, you know, did the whole long scroll thing. Yep. That did happen as well. 
Um, and we did cupcakes and that was at the beginning of the cupcake thing. Nobody right. had done them. Um, I just you're pioneers, to... your wedding reception pioneers. You we know. are, we are, well, you know, you get married in Iowa and we, we weren't having a black tie wedding. So we knew we didn't, we didn't need anything to be super fancy. We just wanted it to be fun. We also had really beautiful weather and we had that outdoor space overlooking the Mississippi river. Yes. Um, it was the best day. It really was. It was a really good time. And I loved having you and my family all get to know each other as well. Yes. Um, it was just a blast. So I'm and so glad you could be a part of it because I won't be doing it again. So there you go. Hopefully neither Todd, neither will Todd. <laughs> I, I, I highly <laughs> doubt he will as well. Um, so that would, I mean, that would involve him finding someone else to go get pizza with him. It's just a lot of, I mean, a lot of work. A, a lot of scheduling. And, a lot of scheduling. Know, he's yeah. not great at that. So no, 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 definitely not. Um, <laughs> Now, I also believe that wedding reception on the dance floor is one of the first times you saw one of my legendary dance moves that you and your sister like to talk about to this day. The feeding the birds. The feeding the birds. Yeah. So I don't want yes. to describe the listeners what this, this move is. I mean, this is something really should be on Dancing with the Stars. So <laughs> I wish that this was for once a video so you could, so I could show them. It basically involves Mike looking at his feet, moving his feet, and then taking his hand almost like you would scatter bird seed and just like scattering, like, I don't, you know, take your hand, like you're scattering bird seed back and forth. And he does this. And it was my sister who said, he looks like he's feeding birds. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. We, we did that. I, the first time I saw you do, it was not at my wedding was at the running of the bulls. Uh, oh, yes. we we've alluded to that in season one listeners. Those of you who have listened to season one have heard the legend of, or at least the start of the legend of running the bulls pub crawl in Chicago. And we'll get into that to a late in a later episode as well. But yeah, I would say that the feed the birds move generally comes out after I've had one to two beverages and one and to two, one to two, one to two. So I would say you had one to 200 that day. <laughs> <laughs> I had a fair amount. An all day fast. It was an all day fast. So yes. feeding the birds was born. And maybe those of you listeners who, who get a chance to see me on a future dance floor may, may see me break that out because it is one of, uh, very few moves that uh, that I have. Classic move. Classic move. Um, now, you, you talked a bit about Chicago. You talked a little bit about running of the Bulls, which is one of our favorite traditions when we were all living in the city. Another thing I loved about living in Chicago, and I know you love this as well, is the all of the street fests in the different neighborhoods in the summer, right? Loved, yes. And those of you who are familiar with Chicago, starting in basically now in May, all the way through up to the fall, different neighborhoods will have festivals where they block off three or four blocks, some of them are themed around food. Some of them are themed around music. Some of them are themed around culture. And you basically pay five or 10 bucks to get in and you can walk around the street and eat and listen to live bands. And um, they're all over the city. Every neighborhood, there's at least one or two somewhere scattered around the North and West and South sides. I, the, what I remember, one particular street fest, this was on Sheffield, just North of Belmont and Lakeview. And um, I remember going there and I was wearing what I thought were very stylish footwear. These were, <laughs> these were Birkenstock. Uh, no, these were Doc Martin. They were uh, not Birkenstock. They were Doc, they were Martin, Doc Martin leather sandals. Man, man sandals, or I, as I learned, they were called mandals, not in a complimentary way, but by, by Amy. So this is a great story. story. Yeah. I, I, Todd had those as well. And as the legend goes, I didn't know that he had them. Our first date was the Monday of Labor Day weekend. And he showed up wearing maybe gym shoes or something. And then later when I went to his house, I saw these mandals and I was like, are those yours? And he said, yeah. And I said, oh my God, have you, and by this point I've been dating him a few weeks and I go, don't ever wear those again. <laughs> and if you, if you had worn those on our first date, we wouldn't have gone on a second date. Like Lila and Quinn, my daughters exist because he chose not to wear those sandals on our first date. I hate them. They're so ugly. They don't look good on anybody. They completely just, uh, I don't know. I don't want to offend you have any an aversion, You have a version of mandals. There may be some mandal wearers out there around the world. Amy, and it's fine. Maybe, maybe your women like them. I'm telling you universally, the women I know in Chicago universally think they are awful. And so I told Mike this at the street fest. I'm like the only acceptable sandals. And this was maybe 10 years ago. This was a while yeah. ago, maybe even more before your daughters were born. I think. Yeah. So probably like 13 years ago. Yeah. Um, I said to him, I go, you can't wear those. The only acceptable footwear are flip-flops. And he was like, you're crazy. These are fine. People like them. And he 
we turn to your friend Heidi. Yes, Heidi Segan, season one Heidi guest. Segan, season one guest. And you said, Heidi, are, what? my sandals are fine, right? Like these are great. And she goes, oh my God, no, Mike, don't ever wear those again. Flip-flops <laughs> only. And the best part of the story, so he didn't believe me until Heidi verified it. And the best part of the story is that you could see the bubble over Mike's head going through every woman he'd been on a date with and worn those sandals and thinking, has this been my problem with women my whole life? Has been my footwear? And you left the street fest and went and bought flip-flops. Like I did. on your way home that day and never wore mandals again. Some some basic black reef flip-flops and yes. I've never I've never looked back. So th- Amy, you it was an intervention. It was a footwear intervention you staged on the north side of Chicago that day. And uh, you know what? It was I was I was in need of it. Thank you. What makes me laugh is Todd, you know, same thing. He didn't want to wear flip-flops because he has this like gnarly toe from soccer. And I said, I promise you. The mandals are turning off more girls than your gnarly toenail ever will. Like, keep the gnarly toenail out. Get rid of the mandals. They're so get, awful. Get rid of the mandals. So so Amy set me down a, a good track back at that street fest. Now, a, another example of Amy, you just shooting me straight, telling me like it is about a, an appearance issue. I remember this was leading up to my sister's wedding, and you had had a conversation with my lovely mom, uh, and she had asked you to do her a favor to try to change my appearance a bit for my sister's upcoming wedding. Why don't you tell Your me? mom called me and I was like, oh, Janet Daniel. I answered the phone and she wanted me to convince you to grow your hair out for Colleen's wedding because you had been shaving your head. Correct. And she was like, Amy, he will listen to you. He won't listen to me. Will you just tell him? I don't think your hair looks good like that. So I... I I love your mom. I think she's the sweetest soul. So I totally told her I would, and I feel bad. She'll probably listen to this, but Janet, I did. I didn't keep it a secret. I did actually hang up and call you and say, your mom wants you to grow your hair out for Colleen's wedding. So you have to do it because she's convinced I'm going to be the one that's going to convince you to do it. And you were like, that's it. That's all she wants me to do. And I said, yes. And so, and she was so gracious and thankful to me and grateful. And I was like, I really didn't do anything. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny and, and not that my hair is long now, but I have not shaved it as a style since then. And I, you know what? I think again, it, it was a good move. You got me off of Mandel's. You got me off of the shaved head. You've really set my later in life tra- fashion and, and physical appearance trends. Amy. I did not talk you out of the tattoos or the tank tops that you wear occasionally, which feature the tattoos. We're still working on that. That's true. But I did That's get true. you out of the mandals and, yeah. and you always look nice whenever I see you. So my mom does get mad when I wear those uh, tank tops to church. I'm kidding. I, I don't do that, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so no, I, good stuff. I think listeners, hopefully what you're picking up on is that Amy not only uh, has been a good influence on her husband and family's lives, she's been a good influence on my life. That's just the kind of person she is. If you know, Amy, she's likely giving you advice that is worth listening to. Uh, and an unsolicited, uh, plenty of unsolicited. Yes, exactly. <laughs> plenty of unsolicited advice. Um, all right. All right, Amy. So why don't we uh, take like a step up at a more macro level here? And I'd love to hear your philosophy of what makes a good friendship. Like how, you know, especially you're, you're, you're an adult now, right? You're not, a, you're no longer when we're kids, it's kind of one way to be a friend, but now as an adult and you're busy and you've got your own family to you, what makes what keeps a good friendship going at this stage in life? I think it's evolution. And I say that because I have made some friends in the last five years of living in the suburbs that some really good friends and people that I, I'm fairly certain I'll be friends with for a really long time. And I think it's what makes us good friends is we uh, rely on each other in terms of our children I feel like I have a village here of people that know my kids and care about them and care about their well-being. And then we come together and we socialize and we're all working moms that have a lot of the same issues and we can talk about them. And so I think sometimes what brings you to friendship is relatability in that way. But I think what makes you continue on to be a good friend is that that being there. The um, if the chips fall, I have people that will jump in and help my family. I believe that now. I really do. And it's not that I didn't have friends like that before, but they weren't two blocks away. 
And so I really love watching how my friendships have evolved over the years. But I, I think it is, again, what I said about Jody, meeting people where they're at. And my friendships with my college friends are different than my friendships with my suburbs friends, than my friendships with my work friends. It's all a little different and sort of not trying to make my work friend into my mom friend or make my mom friend into my college friend and really just meeting people where that friendship is and, and feeding it and growing it at that level. You know, I, I tell this to Todd all the time because he's, a, he's, he's one of those people that once he makes a friend, he's fiercely loyal. And those are his friends. And there's no sort of, oh, we've grown apart. Oh, we haven't seen each other in years. That person is his friend and that's the way it is. And so making friends for him, he's, he takes longer to warm up. And so I've tried to tell him like, your, your friends that you make now aren't going to be Mike D. They're not going to look the same, but you need friends at all walks of your life. Sure. And so, you know, I I've, I hope I've set the example for him in that way that like, I don't, I just think you, your friendship pool keeps growing as you get older. I'm sure you've made new friends in your adulthood that are different from your childhood friends. hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, when I try to get my current friends to do the stuff that Todd and I like to do, they just don't seem to be interested. You know, they don't like to sit there and play tech mobile with me. They don't like to tell, you know, stories about growing up in Allen park, but yeah, no, you're, you're, it's a really well said, Amy. I think, um, having people that you can count on that are physically close by because you can't always pick where your closest friends live. I would love to live within driving distance. Not that we're not within driving distance, right. But within the same right. town or a couple of towns over from you and Todd and the girls. And, um, but Hey, where our distance is better than if we were on two different coasts, right? Your friendship. And it's interesting. I've seen this with Todd when he's gone back to go to the Cabrini fest for listeners. Cabrini is the school that Mike and Todd went to. I'm sure he talked about it in another podcast, but they have that festival in the summer yes, and we've yes. gone back and he's even seen people that I've never even heard him mention. And he slips into this kind of comfort with that known thing. Right. And so I think you got, you bring something different to your friendship than he's going to have with somebody he meets up here. Of course. Yeah. And I'm just trying to help him understand like, that's okay. Yeah. And you do need friends that live here and have kids and, and kind of are, you know, dealing with soccer carpool and all of that as well. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a constant evolution. I think your friendships are. Absolutely. Well, very well said, Amy, very well said. So um, looking forward here, right. You know, it, we're, we're getting, it's May of 2021. The weather's warming up. People are getting vaccinated. Yeah. Amy just did a, a celebratory kind of fist pump and I joined her in that. Um, what are you excited about over the next few months here with you and the family, you personally, what, what are you really looking forward to in the next four to six months? So I, I have a thing. I don't like to go to vacation to the same place twice. I just think there's a big world and I've always wanted to see it all from the first time I went abroad when I was 21. I, so it's been very hard for me to vacation during COVID because we went to Florida for spring break. Now we went with good family friends. So we had a great time, but I've been to Florida 175 times. Like I just am over it. And um, so I really told Todd that I wanted to take a vacation this summer that was uh, in the United States, because the second we don't have to vacation in the United States, we won't be. So we, we kicked around the Grand Canyon, thought that would be too hot. So what we're doing, and I'm really, really excited about this, is we're flying into Denver and running a car and we're going to Colorado Springs and we're doing like Pikes Peak and the Royal Gorge and whitewater rafting. We're going to go to a um, hot springs, like a mountain resort that there has hot springs. Um, we're going to go to Breckenridge and do zip lining. And they've got this kind of adventure epic discovery thing on peak eight in Breckenridge. And we're going to do that. And I'm just really excited to do kind of adventure things with the kids. Um, you know, I love to ski and I refound that passion this year and Quinn is, loves to ski now too. And so I don't know if I'll ever get to Colorado with like my whole family. Cause Todd doesn't ski, doesn't know how, and Lila only sort of likes it. Um, so I said, let's go in the summer then we can do mountainy things in the summer. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm also excited. My kids are going to sleepaway camp for the first time. Oh, nice. Um, so I'm excited about that because I think it's such a cool experience. I, I love the age my kids are at and they're just, they're 10 and 
it's just what like watching yourself grow up all over again. So all the things you thought were so fun as a kid, I get to do with them now. So those are the two biggest things I think I'm looking forward to. Oh, I know one other thing. We're going to be doing a uh, partner retreat for the practice group that I work with at my firm. And uh, it's going to be in Utah. And so I get to go out to Utah twice for planning trips. So I get to get on an airplane. I haven't been in an airplane, you know, in forever. So that's great. Yep. I was on my, I was on my first airplane last week or two weekends ago now to Nashville to visit my buddy, Kelly Warman from season one, first time on and it felt great. So yeah. Wonderful. I can't wait. Yeah. I know. I know you're someone who's always loved to travel. That's one thing I remember learning about you very early on. And um, it, that trip out West with the, with the girls and Todd sounds like it's going to be one once in a lifetime. I'm excited. That's one, you know, getting back to Todd, that's one of the things we're very different. He's, he's a traditionalist. He likes, you know, his family had that cottage on a lake and he always loved going there every summer. And I loved going too, but I also feel like there's this bucket list of trips I want to take with the kids while we still have them. And so I'm really trying to plan those out for the next, you know, eight years before they go off to college. So um, this is the first of those bucket list trips. I guess Disney might've been the first, but this is the real first. And um, who knows what we'll do next. Uh, I welcome ideas from you or any of the listeners on bucket list trips that they oh, think every we, family should take. Absolutely. And, and when you, when you throw something out to the listeners, they respond in droves. So don't be Fabulous. surprised if, if Twitter email, I will pass those along to you. So no, that's fabulous. Great. Thank you, Mike. That's great. Um, and I know, I think we just were talking about this. I'm hopefully going to get to come out to see your new house and see all of you later this year in July. And I'm very excited about that. I can't wait to see the house. I can't wait for you to come first of all, to see you and hug you. Cause it's been too long for you to see our house, but you haven't met our dog. Midge, Midge, how did we get this far into the episode? Well, I don't know. Minutes. How did we not talk about Midge? Midge? Yeah. Our pandemic puppy. Yes. Talk, talk a bit about Midge. Like what, was that something you had been thinking about? Cause Todd didn't grow up with a dog. No. And he did not want a dog. I wanted a dog. Quinn wanted a dog and Lila wanted a dog, but I would say it went Quinn, me, Lila. Uh-huh. And he just finally caved. It was a pandemic thing. I said, if ever we were going to do it now is the time because we're home. And you wouldn't believe how hard it was to adopt a puppy from a rescue center during the pandemic, I mean, they couldn't keep them in stock, which is great for puppies for the puppies. and the rescue. But um, we finally got one and her name was Amy, which we thought was a sign. And they told us it was a beagle mix. And she she looked like a beagle. And we tell everybody, oh, she's a beagle. But we didn't know what else she had in her. And I thought she had some Jack Russell Terrier because she has these spots on her belly. Yeah. So we did one of those DNA panels and she has no beagle in her. And she's, she's 67% Treen Walker Coonhound, which is a hunting dog. And so she's got this very distinctive bay and she's got no recall because she'll go after the scent. She's a hunting dog. And um, we named her Midge, which I just think is so cute. And she's the best. And I will tell you something. It is so cliche, but it is so true. Todd loves her the most. He's so loves her. He is obsessed with her, Mike. It is the most adorable thing you've ever seen. And she's obsessed with him. She's always got to be sitting next to him, touching him. They have, they have their morning love fest. Oh my God. He would kill me if he knew I was talking about this, but she jumps up and he goes, should we have our love fest? Should we have our love fest? He, so listeners out there who have one person who doesn't want a dog, I promise you it'll all work out. Oh, that's great. I cannot <laughs> wait to meet Midge and see Midge and Todd in their element. That's amazing. Oh, you just wait. You're going to be like, oh my God, he's so smitten. Well, Todd so has a smitten. new best friend. Midge has unseated Mike D, apparently. That's okay. <laughs> Only for local. Only, Only for local. local. Got it. Got it. Um, all right, Amy. Well, why don't we shift on to the, the kind of final portion of today's podcast? This is the, the rapid fire segment, AKA what Mike wants to know. You can answer these as take as long as you want, but um, basically I'm just going to hit you up with a bunch of questions here and, and see what you think about them. So, all right, first one, you mentioned your two lovely daughters, Quinn and Lila. I've gotten to know them as they've grown up. They are just turning into wonderful young women. Um, what is your favorite personality quirk about each of your two daughters? Uh, Lila's is that she talks to herself. She always has ever since she was a baby. And I just think it's adorable. And she hums constantly, sings to herself. She's just very all up in her head. And I love it. Um, It's just 
she can entertain herself for hours. And I, I just think it's a great personality characteristic to have. And Quinn, I would, you know, if Todd were here, he probably would say she's so uber competitive. She's crazy competitive, but that's not my favorite. My favorite thing is she's so enthusiastic about everything new and interesting and in, innovative that she's never done, you know, trying new food, going new places, meeting new people, new sports. There's not a single activity that I've ever asked her if she wants to participate in that she says no. I mean, she would play all the sports, be in all the plays and bands and art and just she just has this like lust for life and I'm, it's, it's wonderful. And I wish I had more of it. So. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, seeing, getting to, you know, I don't see your daughters frequently. So I, it's, you know, multiple months between, and now it'll have been over a year since I've seen them. So I'm sure they're going to be different than the last time I saw them, but um, you know, it, they, uh, I, I think the last time I saw both of them was when I came to Chicago for Todd's 40th and stayed with you all and we went yes. they were in a parade i remember riding their bikes the fourth of july parade that's the last time we had one in glenview because yeah. of covid yeah. yeah they rode their bikes i remember and then we went to the fireworks in the evening it was just such a lovely fourth of july and i do remember uh lila just saying funny stuff random yes. funny stuff and i remember quinn being like mike let's hit the tennis ball back and forth and let's do this and just yeah. wanting to like you know test that's exactly her exactly who they are metal and they both in their own way, just amazing people. So that's great. Um, all right. So you, you mentioned how you grew up in Iowa. You went to undergrad in the state of Iowa. You went to law school in the state of Iowa. Obviously, you've gone back to visit your family many, many times over the years. What is the thing that you miss the most about living in the state of Iowa? The only thing I miss. Oh, sorry. The <laughs> only thing I truly miss about living in Iowa is my family. I wish that they were around more. But aside from them, I miss being a really politically significant state during presidential elections. Sure. And I know people that live there hate that because they're constantly bombarded with ads all year long. But, I, you know, when I was in college, I met every presidential candidate that came through. My parents sat behind them in church. I mean, it's so politically significant that you really get to be in the middle of it all. I miss that. Illinois is so blue. We get nothing. They don't right. even campaign here. Right. So I do miss that about Iowa and I'm, it's always exciting to watch Iowa during the, the campaigns. Oh, cool. Very, very, very cool answer. Um, all right. So we already talked about your next big trip. You lived in Chicago for many, many years. You still, I imagine, get into the city when it's not COVID times to go enjoy a nice evening out. I've done that with you since you've moved out to Glenview. Absolutely. What would if you could go back to any point when you were living in Chicago or, or present day, what would have been your favorite place to go have a meal or grab a, a fresh beverage at during your time? That is such a great question. That's This is going to give me all kinds of nostalgia because I have to remind myself every time I miss the city that it isn't what it was. Yes. Right? Right. It just sure. isn't. And it never will be. Um and that, and that, sorry to interrupt you. That's largely because the city of Chicago is still great. It's just what part of what makes it great for all of us is the people we're there with. Right? Yeah. And, and that we were in our twenties and, yeah. and early thirties and the people that I know that live there now in their forties with kids still love it and still eat out all the time and everything. But if I could go back to like one point in history, okay. A beverage, it would definitely have been Matilda's. Oh yeah. Sheffield. That, that staircase. That was like a death. <laughs> That staircase that was somehow up to code, but would was so steep that at least at least someone a night fell down those. There stairs. is no way the listeners could understand how steep this staircase was to go down to the bar in the second level. I love that bar. It is hands down like the bar that I've loved the most in Chicago. And every time I went there, I I mean I, I spent a lot of time there. They had a great jukebox. They did. I loved it. So that yeah. would definitely be where I would want to go for a drink. Um, for something to eat, I love that the BYOB sushi places in Chicago. Yes. Because again, listeners may not know this, but liquor license, um, at least when I lived there, were really hard to come by. So a lot of restaurants would open so they could get their, you know, get their business going while they waited for a liquor license and you could BYOB. And a lot of them were sushi restaurants. So you would go out for sushi with your girlfriends and everybody would bring a bottle of wine or, you know, Prosecco or something. And it was so fun. I miss those kind of places. You know, Glenview has like two restaurants. It's, um, <laughs> I just, I wouldn't change having lived in the city in my twenties for all the money in the world. I had the best time. A magical place at that point. In your Truly life, magical, sure. especially yeah. in the summer. It just comes alive. It really does. Well, I think that's a great note to, to finish up on Amy. So 
if the listeners did want to follow what Amy Pretty is up to, how could they do that? Is 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 Instagram, Facebook? Instagram. Okay, Instagram. Yeah, I would say. I mean, I'm on Facebook basically now because of like my mom and my mother-in-law and people that want to see things. Um, but it's really been taken over by the boomers. And I, well, so- I will tell you a few boomers. One being my mom and one being my uncle Pat think you are the funniest person on Facebook. I, I love your mom and your uncle Pat. I they, love and Ray. I love Ray too. Oh, they're they're your great. And they, and they love they love posts from Amy Pretty on Facebook. Once in a while, I'll still post something a little snarky. Um, but Instagram, I would say at Amy L Pretty. Uh, it's mostly me making fun of my kids, my dog, or my husband. Um, <laughs> once in a while, I'll post something you know sentimental, but but usually it's me making fun of them. So. Awesome. Well, great. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. Could not have had a better person to come on kickoff season two of the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, I'm excited to see you and the girls and Todd in person in a few months here. And, uh, and if you ever want to get down to like dirty, embarrassing story details, you can bring me back and we can take the veneer off and we can really get down to it. We can do a a talking friendship after dark version. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Amy. Well, well, great. We will talk soon, I'm sure. Thank you, Mike. Great, great talking to you. 